Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and excited to have with me today, Dr. Kathleen Friend. So welcome, Kathleen. Good morning. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Yes, thrilled to have you. And we were just talking right beforehand of hitting record, um, you know, what it is you're doing and some of the exciting stuff. And so child psychiatrist and children's book author. Yes. Yeah, that's a new part of my life, uh, having written a children's book. Um, I, I've been a psychiatrist for, oh gosh, I think almost 30 years at this point. Kind of scary to think about that. <laughs> but, um, in, you know, in the most recent history, my work has really shifted towards child psychiatry. I've really done all ages in my life and used to have an integrative practice in Massachusetts. And then I moved to Arizona and was very fortunate to be able to start working with children and families. And it just opened me up in a new way to see what the prevailing paradigm was and what was really happening with children and families. And it was painful to my heart, actually. It just pained my heart. And what happens is that, especially to a psychiatrist, Parents come in, understandably, they come in and tell me all the problems, you know, because they, they want help and they want me to fix something. So, I mean, it's understandable. But unfortunately, you know, after a while, I just thought there's just something wrong with this picture. And I just couldn't stand watching parents, well-meaning parents, loving parents, doing the best they could coming in my office with the rap sheet for their kid. Right. This month, this happened and this, and everything's negative. And the poor kid would slink in the chair. They, you know, depending on the age of the child, they either just wouldn't want to come in the room or they might just not engage, no eye contact. If the child was older, they might get, be irritable and argue with the parent. But in either case, no positive energy was going right. on and no possibility for healing in that energy. So I, sidebar, um, I'm trained in a technique called nurtured heart approach and an advanced trainer. And that is an approach to parenting and interaction that's very, very positive. Well, I couldn't get any traction where I work to really train people in this. And honestly, where I work, they kind of want my prescription pad and I don't have the time to really do all you know, therapy the way I'd like. So I invented the greatness chair. And that's the name of my children's book. So would you like me to describe what happens in the greatness? Chair? I would love it. And I read it, but I want the audience to hear it because I, I wrote a children's book as well. I love, I love what I read about it. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Oh, good. That's, that's wonderful. So I, out of desperate frustration, I just thought I'm changing this up. When people come in, so I would have, the kids would come in and they never wanted to sit next to me by, by my desk, you know? And so I finally started calling the chair next to my office, the greatness chair. I mean, next to my uh, desk, the greatness chair. And I'd say, you know, come on, sit over here. This is my greatness chair. And so the kids would get a little interested. They'd come over and sit in it. And I'd say, you know, you think this is a great chair? You know, I'd, I'd have them. It was just an ordinary chair. And they, you know, they were cute, you know, especially the littler ones. They'd kind yeah. of look at the chair. 
And they kind of, they were shy and they weren't sure what to say. And some would say, well, no, it's just, (laughs) (laughs) and the kids who weren't sure what to say, I'd say, well, you know, honestly, it really is just a regular chair, isn't it? But what if it was about the person sitting in the chair? And they went, okay. And so that started the dialogue about, tell me something about your greatness. That depending on the child, of course, not all children could do that and needed coaching. And uh, that's another long story. But it changed the energy in the room. And I said, some of the kids, a lot of them would just say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what to say or whatever. I said, well, tell me something that's going right. And so they would off most of the time they would say I got an A in a spelling test or something. They would tell me right. some accomplishment they did. And so, you know, we would drill deeper. I'd say, well, you know, what is it about you that uh, that uh, enabled you to do well in whatever you've just told me? And so then we would dig into the qualities, whether it's perseverance or trying hard or cooperation or asking for help or whatever the quality we could try to bring out of their greatness. I would try to do that right there in real time. And sometimes when the child just was completely unsure, I say, wow, you know, I see you have the greatness of just trying to answer my question and being honest that you don't know the answer. You know, so I found it very easy to call out a greatness quality right there in the moment. And then I noticed that the parents' eyes would start sparkling, like, this is different. This is really different. Right. Sometimes I would have the parents jumping out of the chair, trying to jump in and tell me something great about their child. And so sometimes I'd have to hold them off just to, you know, let the dialogue with the kid. And then I'd say, well, let's see what mom or dad has to say or or whoever. Oftentimes it's the grandparents raising the children. So whoever's in the room with the child, we give them a chance. And then they would start telling me, the greatness qualities of their child. And so I had to reassure the parents that, yes, I know you came in with a problem. I know everything isn't going right. But let's start with focusing on what's going right. And then we'll talk about what brought you here. And I found that doing that simple thing really changed. So at the point where the parents started telling me about whatever issue, you know, brought them in my office, they could. Um, they they talked about it differently. And then the child also was in a, a more relaxed state. So they weren't wanting to run out of the room if we talked about the problems. Right. So it just shifted the energy. It turned it, what I call it, we turned it right side up. So I call all that negative energy upside down, and then we turn it right side up. It's a long story, but basically then I got the idea for, well, why don't I just write a children's book called The Greatness Chair? And that's how it was born. I love it. And I, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. And I worked in the mental health agency uh, here in the Cincinnati area and um, with kids and I was in the school settings and I love that approach and I just love that concept of, um, yeah, coming at it with such a positive energy. It's beautiful. Kids need that, you know? Yeah. And the, 
you know, the illustrator did such a beautiful job. I don't know if I could hold the book up. I don't know if you were going to do that, but I actually have it here next to me. Sure, hold it up. If I, if I can get it in the camera, I don't know how it projects, but it just was, oh, it's just sweet. I, yeah. I, I told the illustrator that, you know, I, I, you know, it was through a publisher, so I didn't really have direct contact, but I told the publisher, I said, I have to have final say of the illustrations. This is not a slam dunk because even though I'm not an artist, right. I knew what I was going for. And I said, these pictures need to be beautiful. I said, not computer generated, that there has to, somehow it has to convey beauty, almost like an old fashioned children's picture book. Yes, yes. And so I feel, and, and I designed some of the pictures and the greatness chair, what it should look like, but then she made it happen. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't draw that. So, right. so I think she did a wonderful job of really channeling my vision and conveying a sense of, of beauty. And I hope that what comes through in the book, aside from any words, and is this real message of love, harmony, and beauty, which I feel committed to. Yeah. How do people get a hold of it? Is it uh, is there a link that they can go to to order it? Well, uh, it is available on Amazon. Okay. Both in Kindle and print version. Uh, just a heads up, there's something funky about Amazon, and if you click on my book, it, it shows it at a higher price than it should be. I guess a few people bought up the book and are trying to get more money for it, but Make sure you just look for the prime click or whatever. So yeah. the right price comes on. Okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. When other people buy and then they resell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's just a little heads up, but it, it is available in Kindle and print edition. And awesome. that I also have a website. You can get through it that way. And if you, you know, if, if the listeners are so inclined and want to know a little bit more backstory about me or what I'm trying to accomplish with this greatness chair, it's just uh, www.greatnesschair.com without the the. So just okay. greatnesschair.com. And of course, I have a Facebook page called The Greatness Chair. So, <laughs> yeah, my first step into social media. It's not so easy for somebody my age but it's a new world <laughs> I know I get it I love it though I what we wrote the we wrote the doodle with the noodle about our labradoodle Sammy that I introduced you for to before we started recording and oh, uh, I wrote it with my then nine-year-old daughter who's now 13 but oh. she and I drew the pictures together so it truly looks because I am not an artist whatsoever it truly looks like a nine-year-old drew it. <laughs> so, but we decided to keep it as doodles, um, you know, because it was the doodle with the noodle. So it was kind of a play on the word with our drawings. But yeah, so we created a Facebook page for Sammy, the doodle with the noodle, and she has her own Instagram. So I totally get it. I, I understand. <laughs> well, I'm not on Instagram. I can't quite go to that level yet. Right, right. But I, I have to say that, what one of the reasons that I'm really pushing this is that in a lot of ways, I'm not saying something new. 
I mean, I could drill down on this as to why this is actually so powerful. I could throw around a lot of jargon about positive psychology, trauma-informed care, about, you know, relationship safety. I mean, there's, there's a lot really behind the book. But the reason that I think this is resonating is that it, it's simple. It's just, it's, it's accessible. People get it. And there's a concrete image. There's a concrete thing. A great anybody could have a greatness chair in their house. It's 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 a place. It's nice to have a designated place so that people can associate that with a positive experience. But you don't have to do anything fancy to it. It's just the place where this good stuff happens. Yeah. And it's it's a parent or a teacher or whoever can't really even do the greatness chair technique unless they are also reset and in a place of calm or not triggered or in a place of safety in their own nervous system to do it. Okay. And I don't, you know, I don't write that out in the book, but that happens naturally. And we know that it's the adult's nervous system that has to co-regulate the child. They catch it from us, from the rhythm in our nervous system and our heartbeats. Are they catch that? That energy, right? It, it's yeah. an energetic. It's an energetic. It really is an energetic situation. Yeah. So I think that in this technique, it, it's an entryway into that without using a lot, a big instruction manual or using a lot of words, and it bypasses a little bit of the uh, instructions because <laughs> it's simple. And also, there's this contra um contrast between most people know what a timeout chair is right you know and whether you use it or not it's it's a it's known it's a known entity so this is kind of like well let's talk about you know timeout chairs it, that's it it's it is timeout but what we're talking about is time in time in and cool. the chair yeah. and you know yeah and it's a process, you know, it can take people a while to figure out, well, what do you mean greatness qualities? What are we looking for here? And so it's a learning curve about how we, what we see in people. I mean, at the simplest level, we just call out what we see in front of us in their behaviors. Like, oh, I see you're making, oh, Terry, you know, you're looking right at me on this camera. And that I I think that that shows me that you're very curious and interested in what I'm saying. And of course you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I kind of go from what I see behaviorally to inference about something about you. And like, it's got to land, you know? So like if you say something to your kid and it's not right, be, be aware it can be corrected. I mean, we don't want to like, we don't want no BS here. We want it to land and be real in the heart, both, from the heart of the mom, mom or dad, teacher, to the child. So ultimately, we're looking for that heart connection. Yeah, for sure. And that leads me to, to what I wish what came up to me and resonated was one of the things I read about was you, you integrate the body, mind, soul connection, that it's, it's more than just a physical you know, thing, or it's more than just a mental um, Thing. So talk talk to me more about that. Mm, which part of that? 
Yeah, um, just your integration of the, the mind-body-soul part. Okay. Um, well, you know, that's an interesting, that's been an interesting journey because um, as a psychiatrist, my training as a psychiatrist mostly focal, focused on that mental or emotional part and the physical a little bit, a little bit, but it was very narrow. But I had training in internal medicine before I went to psychiatry, so I was always way more open to mind-body um, and just general medicine than the average psychiatrist. But even the model of Western medicine and doctors on the physical level is quite limited, although it's expanding. It's definitely expanding. So I think my first job was expanding out the physical part of how things besides drugs could affect nutrition and supplements and all that kind of thing. And then when you go to the emotional mental level, I expanded my toolbox into understanding about trauma and um, trauma-informed care, um, polyvagal theory, which I think is pretty widely known now, but just depending on who's listening, that's a whole nother um, talk and lots of things in itself. But it's basically a way of looking at how our nervous system responds to the events that happen to us and how it gets registered in our bodies and how much that determines our behavior. Yeah. And so it, that's been a big new addition to our understanding about um, the human being and, and how we're operating. Right. Then on the spiritual level, I've been involved for about eight to nine years with a school called the Institute for Applied Meditation, which is everything heart. It comes from, a, it really comes from the Sufis, although they're not in the Sufi order or a, or a Sufi school specifically, but they deal with everything related to the heart and energetics of the heart. And so that really, my experience going through their programs, then becoming a mentor in the school, really opened me to um, spirit. You know, it just opened that door. Yeah, and it's, I, I utilize it all. And that's why I, I wanted you to talk about it because my own personal journey has been one of horrific trauma in my first 22 years of life, uh, followed by 25 years of severe panic attacks um, and struggles, you know, in, in so many levels from mental health, physical ailments, and then finding my way into EMDR therapy and finally starting the healing process. But during EMDR, also starting to utilize. And it just like I loved it that you just said toolbox because I say filling my toolbox with all of these incredible resources from meditation to mindfulness to um, prayer to um, utilizing Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing and tapping and, and just this incredible collection that was healing of and connecting of mind, body, and soul. Yeah, it's really amazing what's out there today. And, and, you know, some people get, you know, they're not sure how to talk about spirit or spiritual things. And certainly, in my profession, 
that's kind of a taboo subject, although I think things are changing. Yes. But if, even if we just talk, even if just in a very basic way, we talk about the spiritual level as meaning and purpose. You know, even if we just drill it down to that, I mean, just that, that's a big deal. So we all are involved in meaning and purpose because I don't think there's anybody who would get out of bed in the morning without some purpose. And of course, our purpose can change as we go through life. And often it does, you know, what seems relevant at one point in our life can shift. And, right. But it's purpose, our own individual purpose, that, that thing that's stamped in our own hearts. You know, it's not somebody else's idea. It's not their values. It's not their purpose. Right. It's, it's very individual and it is stamped in the heart and the heart, when the heart talks, it helps show you that purpose. Yeah. And that's when the energy really comes. And then you just can't wait to do what you need to do. Oh, and right. I mean, you're on it with your right. purpose here on right. healing and healing podcasts. And it energizes. I'm, I'm going to guess that this energizes you a great deal. Yes, tremendously. As a matter of fact, I just put a post out on, on my Healing Place podcast Facebook page today with all my exciting announcements and news and I, you know, there's smiley faces and hearts all over it because I'm so excited about everything that's happening. Yeah. And you know, that's, you know, some people could say, well, you know, who maybe it could look calculated, but when you've really hit it, it's not right. It's really deep. Yeah. And so part of the greatness chair idea to come back to this a little bit in calling out the greatness qualities we're really being a mirror and we're trying to show whoever's in that greatness chair, whether it's a child, ourselves, or another person, adult, we're trying to mirror back these really individual specific qualities that they have. So we're trying to build and help them see, not build, but really help them see who they are. Yeah. Like who did, what, did, what qualities did they come into this body with? Right. And so it's shining a mirror on that too. So it's not about, oh, we're going to. That's my first sneeze ever on the podcast. Just ah. my eye. I was trying so hard not to do it, but it set itself free. So excuse me. <laughs> well, there we go. We're just scattering air. I know, right. So I'm so sorry. Continue. That's okay because the air element relates to having lots of ideas. So we're talking about <laughs> lots of ideas here. Right, right. Lots of ideas. So, you know, this whole idea of it. So this really isn't anything about behavior modification or anything like that. It's just, you know, like shining, you know, holding up this mirror. How can children see who they are? Like, who did they come? And then if you want to go to the spirit, what's their soul made of? What did they come in with? You know? and getting people to start to see that in another human being i mean that's a little you know it's a little bit of a process of course but it can start very simply and it starts the dialogue how can we see the best yes that that person really has because that's what i mean i believe that's what's important because that's what that individual needs to make a contribution to the world eventually yes. to and to find to find humanity thing yeah yeah 
And it's, it's so it's real different than getting a, a 4.0 GPA and going to an Ivy League college. You know, I'm from the East Coast and I'm telling you, that's a big deal. But that's not, it, it's better to find what you have uniquely about you to contribute and go full, because if you go for that, you'll be successful. Yes. Amen. But you have to see it. Tell my kids that follow your heart, you know, find, find your soul passion, find that thing and, and then go do that. Well, that's great. You're very advanced in this. <laughs> the, the average person that I see, you know, even though once you figure this out, it's kind of simple in a way, but it's not simple at the beginning. And so this greatness chair is just, it's a way in to start a dialogue to, 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 change um the way we look at at kids and and i have had children read the book and feel very comforted by because in the book you know this little boy is having oh kind of a typical day he's not having big t trauma (laughs) but just the usual ordinary things that happen to kids that adults don't even think about like hurry up you're late you're talking too much in class. You're running too fast. Yada, yada, where's your homework? I mean, just this little throwaway stuff. And so I really just, that's why I put that in the book because I wanted people to realize, wow, the little stuff builds up too. Yeah. And so this little kid just like by the end of the day just loses it. It's like, ah, you know, he hopes to come home after school and just like, and he comes home and there's more like, why didn't you do this or that? And, and so he just kind of blows up, has a meltdown. And he ends up in a timeout chair and falls asleep. And then he dreams, in his dream, he sees the greatness chair. And Zoe, the little fairy, comes and teaches him and shows him how to see the greatness qualities in everything he did all day long. Oh. <laughs> and then he wakes up and... He's in his room, and the chair has now turned into a greatness chair. And he's writing all these things that Zoe told him in the dream. He's writing all his greatness qualities on little note cards so he can remember, you know. And his dad comes in the room and says, what are you doing? And, uh, you know, the character says, he says, wow, you want to hear about my greatness? And he tells him about the dream and, and how to do it. And the dad like likes it. And he says, wow, that's kind of cool. And so they start doing it together. And interestingly, the, the, the book is kind of geared, the character in the book is, oh, maybe seven or eight, you know, like early elementary school. But right. oh, I've had people tell me it's even good for preschool, even though the language it seems like too high, like maybe some of the words, but the pictures, you can kind of look at the pictures and it tells the sure. story and yeah. you can kind of ab lib it without even reading all the text. I yeah. realized you could kind of tell the story of kind of criticisms, the dream and how we use it just with the pictures. And then I was shocked that um, a, a therapist, um, who works in a therapeutic group home with adolescents used it, read it to all the adolescents and they liked it and got it. And I'm thinking, wow, didn't they find, you know, I asked them, I said, well, 
didn't they think it was too juvenile, you know? And he said, well, these are really traumatized kids. They love, you know, they just yeah. gave them something. Aww. So I think that it's a bit timeless, this book. Ageless. I should not tell right. but right. yeah, it is kind of a timeless message, but it's also a bit ageless. Um, but it's conveyed through the eyes of a child, and uh, and it shows that in this book, I kind of like that the child is teaching the parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I well, think and I just it popped into my head that I'm sure a lot of parents who will pick this up and read it to their child you know, it will really speak to them and maybe their inner child and that, yeah, it is ageless in that parents who have been traumatized and not, not yet maybe dealt with their trauma history um, or, you know, things that, that had happened to them and not never looking at their greatness. Um, it will really help re them relate as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, Another piece of this, which I don't go into in this book, but might be my next book if I do one, <laughs> um, which is would be um, 101 Ways to Say Great Job. Um, oh. we, don't we don't have a big vocabulary. You know, this is a little difficult at the beginning because we don't have like a big emotional vocabulary, most of us, to know well, what do we call out. You know, we're used to saying like good job or whatever. And right. you know, we need a little bit more of an uh, emotionally rich vocabulary yes so that's another bit of a talk but so sometimes no, in the I, office, I yeah. give people a sheet I, I photocopy a sheet of emotionally rich words I say here take this and you might look at the list and say let's use uh, you know think about just try to call your child out on like this word today it might be teamwork or creativity or yeah. um, fearlessness or but there's just a whole list to choose so they can start to think in a wider vocabulary yes yeah I agree I made me two things popped into my head one was one of the things we do with our 13 year old you know I learned <laughs> by the time we got to the third kid <laughs> but so when she would do something you know now I'll say dude you're, you should be an engineer because that's brilliant the way you came up with that. It, it's something that she may have done creatively. And then we'll talk about, you know, how, how brilliant it was for, and maybe it was just fixing something that was broken and, you know, making it work again. And um, so, yeah, and just helping her to see herself from in that light. Um, and then the other thing that popped into my head when you were talking was, when we wrote our children's book, I purposely put bigger words in. I, I was in the preschool setting for years, even though we wrote it geared towards four-year-olds and preschoolers, because in what you said is so brilliant and so true in that when we present it, we would do, we do, Sammy and I do book readings at schools. When we read it to the littler ones, I will specifically say, you know, what do you think is happening in this picture? Exactly what you said. And letting them tell the story just from the picture. And so, yeah, very cool. So it's been an interesting journey. I never thought I'd be a children's book author. Yeah. But I, I just, I really felt frustrated trying to talk to, I don't want to bad mouth my profession, but doctors are not the most easy, are not the easiest people to talk to. People might think that if you're a doctor, you can talk to other doctors. <laughs> we have more of an in with each other not necessarily 
So I knew that I had to go under the radar. I, I see myself, I think it's called a disruptor. I, somebody told me I was a disruptor. I, that's a new word, I guess, right? I'm a because disruptor. You're not, because you're not like on the same page with them? I think it's like I'm throwing a wrench in okay. to say, let's look over here. Let's look at something different. And so, but in a positive way, I, I mean, yeah. I'm a disruptor in a positive way that I'm willing to, I'm willing to take the risk and I'm willing to be vulnerable enough right. to just say, this is what I got. You know, like right. I've been at this almost 30 years. I have a lot of education and you know what at the end of the day it gets it there really can be important lessons that are simple and and I knew that I needed another format to get this message out in a way that could reach people actually on more of a heart level I I think than even cognitive because every time I would try to talk about ideas in other ways with my colleagues all I would hear is, is it evidence-based? And I, after a while, I just thought, oh, I can't stand to hear those words anymore. I know where they're coming from, but it's like, and I thought, well, if I write a children's book, they're not going to talk about evidence-based. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. I love it. So any uh, myths or facts that you would like to clarify for listeners in regards to whether it's children, um, you know, the work that you're doing, what you were just talking about? Well, I think that there are a lot of myths. And one of the, and I see this specifically because being, because being a psychiatrist, um, the people who come to me tend to want a, a chemical fix. And sometimes parents like that get portrayed as, oh, they don't want to do hard work and they just want a quick fix. But, and there may be a little bit of that sometimes. Don't we all want a quick fix? Right. But, <laughs> but the, the other thing is that there's been kind of a bill of goods sold to people. And, and, and the, it's, it's, you know, years ago, before we had all these medications, um, you know, mental health and illness was character weakness, I mean, all, all sorts of negative things. Right. So initially, when the whole psychopharmacology chemical revolution came in, because I was practicing then, it was positive because it was like, wow, it's not your fault. Ah, we found out that these chemicals are a little imbalanced. This, by the way, this is not the whole story anymore. But at the time, that was revolutionary. And it was very liberating for people to think, oh, my goodness. I, uh, it's not some failing in me. So that was very liberating. And so that was positive, but then it went way too far. It yes. was too simplistic. And then people started thinking, oh, if you just fix this chemical imbalance in my brain, I'll be okay. Right. Well, that's a myth. Right. That's not to say that some children are not helped by medication. Because for some children whose nervous systems are so dysregulated, it can help them just get to square one so these other techniques can work. But there's many ways into healing. Yes. Medications really don't heal. Again, I've had children do really well on medications, and I, it's not black or white. 
but I do think the more we empower parents to believe that there's something they can do that's not that hard, that's, to empower them to be a positive change agent for their children is huge, as opposed to relying on the experts. Yes. Very cool. All right. I have one other question that I love to ask guests, only because I love, I love the answers I get. So if you could meet anyone, dead or alive, to help you with your continued journey, whether it's personal or professional or both, who would it be? Oh, that's easy. I could say a lot of people, but considering I wrote a children's book and I'm a, my hobby is I'm a musician. <laughs> so um, my person would be Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. Because for me, he was the whole package. And I didn't appreciate him when I was younger. I think the show came out when I was a teenager. And of course, it looked pretty silly to me. And I, I think I first found out about Mr. Rogers from Saturday Night Live. You know, when <laughs> mock him and you're right. a teenager or a young adult and so that seemed right at that age right. but as an adult of course I came back to realize the wisdom and for me he had the whole package because he loved children and he he was a spiritual I mean I'm not of his religious background or bent but he was a minister in um I think Presbyterian but it doesn't matter but he he had a, he was spiritual and he had a, a spiritual message but he chose to get it through in, in his show yeah. without being preachy or anything through great love, yeah. great love. And he was a musician. So he was composing music for his show. And so I wish I could just hang out with him. Yeah. He, he was just, I mean, just a beautiful soul. I, yes, absolutely agree. I heard I had read something about him where he had a, a book that he kept next to his bed and anyone who needed prayers, he would write their name in it. And that when he would, you know, before you go to sleep, he would pray for these people that were in his book. I didn't that's know just, that. That's really beautiful. I was like, that's just so beautiful. Yeah, I love it. Love and, you know, he he was a man with great insecurities, too. And he he could remember what it felt like as a child. Yeah. So he used that, you know, he used that pain that he had to um, bring such joy to people. Yeah. It's a real good example of turning pain into joy, I think. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah. Yeah, so, sure. So how do people get a hold of you? Well, I, I think the best way is through my website. There is a, a, you can sign up and um, with your email. Um, I think that's what's on there. Okay. My book. I think the, I, you know, I'm also reachable through, just trying to think the best way to reach me. Um, because I, as, since I've written this book, I do hope to, Go out to schools, perhaps, or other yeah. places, and and talk more about this message. Um, so maybe the Facebook page. Okay, that might be one of the best ways right now because I seem to be on Facebook a lot. So it's just the Facebook page is the Greatness Chair, and that's probably, that might be the easiest way to get awesome. quick access. Okay. You know, because I I I do feel strongly that 
we I want to be one of the helpers. You know, that's Fred Rogers again, you know? Yes. So, at, look for the helpers. Look for the helpers, yes. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, standing, I'm standing up right now and, and saying I'm a helper. Right, right. But not in the way that I thought I was going to be. Yeah. You know, as a doctor, of course, I thought I was going to be a helper, but the way life has taken me, my helping now is not in the way I thought it would be at all. But yeah. here it is. I love it. Very cool. Well, I so appreciate you joining me here on the podcast today and sharing your light. Max decided to climb onto my lap, so he was... Hi there, Max. <laughs> so I've been trying to keep him in tow um, the whole time and uh, around because I was like, he kept he went, kept wanting to pop up, so... Nice. Can I show one more picture really quick? Because sure. I just realized I could show you what the greatness chair looks like if oh. this goes up. Let's see. There it is. It's got a heart on it. It's got a heart, and you see the little wings on it? Yes. And that's that's what Avi oh. sees in his dream. I love um, it. You know, I so relate to it because... I'm known for finding hearts everywhere, and so people people drop off hearts to me. So I instantaneously was drawn to that heart on your chair, and I absolutely love it. And I'll just show you. I will show you Zoe. I oh, Zoe. <laughs> Let's see if we can see her. Yes. So there she is. Very cute. And Aww. I must confess that this little image came to me from a show that I saw as a child I think it was called the blue fairy or something like that and I always remembered that how sweet that was when I was about this age you know six or seven and just seeing this little fairy come she she had seen was like the woods or something and children just sat on toadstools or something and this little fairy came in I think she had a blue dress even though Zoe has a green dress right but um I just remember that image and how powerful that was to feel this real benign, sweet presence coming in. And I don't even remember any of the words of the show, but just that image. And it was very comforting to me as a child. So I had definitely had to put her in the book. Right. What's the little guy's name? Uh, his, the little guy's name is Avi. Avi. Very cute. Oh. <laughs> There's a story right. behind that, but I'm not going to share that. Okay. Because <laughs> it would embarrass the person involved. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, again, thank you for, for sharing your, your story and your book and your passion uh, on the show today. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Until next time, everyone, thank you for joining us on the podcast and be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye.